Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our Growtown campus. Welcome those in our South campus. Welcome those in our atrium, our patio. Welcome those watching online and in our Dream Center experience. I'll tell you, uh, we're one church in several locations, and I'm just thrilled and just honored. Patty and I are just honored that to be a part of such a life-giving fellowship. And I'll tell you, um, if you're new to Stevens Creek, you're here with some of the finest people of Augusta, Georgia. And so just know that. And it's, it's just an honor for us uh, to be here today. You know, tomorrow, Patty and I are celebrating 41 years of marriage. Yes, and it is hard to believe it. You know, we're going we to celebrate earlier this week. And I said, I said, Patty, where do you want to go to celebrate our anniversary? She said, I want to go somewhere expensive. I said, okay. I took her to the gas station. <laughs> Have you seen how much gas costs these days? I mean, it is crazy. I came up to the pump and it said bank card or 401k. I'm thinking, come on. You know, I like to, when I put the gas in the car, you hold the nozzle and then I want to hit it right on the dollar mark, okay? And so I'm three cent away from hitting the dollar mark and I just want to grab it just, just quick. And so I grabbed it quick, $10 later, boom. I mean, gas is expensive. I'm telling you, I heard that Dolly Parton and Jolene are now carpooling because gas is so expensive. <laughs> now, you know it is when those two folks get together. But I did get gas this past week for $1.79. It was at Taco Bell. <laughs> did you miss me at all? Well, thanks so much for being here. I hope you have a good day. Today, we're starting a brand new series called Greater Than, and it comes really from a phrase that you've heard me say over and over, and this phrase has just been resonating with me over the last three months, and it's a power greater than yourself. That phrase is familiar to many of you because you've memorized that, and that's become a part of your journey a power greater than yourself. And I think the reason that this is so important is that so many times at various seasons in our lives, we live below our potential. Or we get involved in something and, and we just don't have the energy to finish. I believe that we need a power that is greater than ourselves so that we can have that spiritual energy to be the people that God has called us to be. So the big idea of this entire series this month is this statement. We believe there is a power greater than yourself that can restore you to wholeness and prepare you for God's purposes. We believe that there is there is a power greater than yourself that can restore you, that can restore you to wholeness, and that can prepare you for God's purpose. 
I don't know what you're personally facing, but I do know that all of us go through challenges and all of us go through problems and all of us need help along the way. And I just want you to know that that power that we're talking about has a name. He is the Holy Spirit. That power is the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the days following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he gathered his disciples together. And he said these words, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. This is going to be our theme verse for the next couple of weeks. He said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but I want you to stay in the city. I want you to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Till you're endued with power from on high. Once again, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, so what do we know about the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's presence and God's power in this world actively working in you and working through you so that you can be the person that you were created to be. It's God's active power working in you and through you. Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit before he went to the cross. He promised, he made this promise, he said, I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send what your, my father's promised, the Holy Spirit. And we see this in John, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. In the Gospel of John, chapters 14, 15, and 16. Most scholars believe that this conversation between Jesus and his disciples took place in the last 12 hours of his uh, life on this earth. In John chapter 14, Jesus and his disciples are having the last supper in the upper room of somebody's home. Now, at the conclusion of this service, we're going to share communion together. And as we share communion together, communion is, the, is a reenactment of the last supper. So at the conclusion of this service, there's going to be a reenactment of the last supper so back to John chapter 14, 15, and 16. These are the last things that Jesus said before he was crucified. In fact, he said, I'm going away, but the Holy Spirit's coming. We pick it up in chapter 14 and verse 16. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. I believe that all of us can discover a power greater than ourselves by inviting the Holy Spirit to live in us. And I believe if you'll do that, the Holy Spirit will do at least four things in your life. First of all, the Holy Spirit will give you help and encouragement. The Holy Spirit will give you help and encouragement. And we all need help along the way. We all need help. 
We need help from other people, and then we need help from above. In verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. Now, the original word that Jesus used for advocate is a Greek word, parakletos. And this Greek word means that it's an encourager. He's a friend. He's a helper. An advocate is someone that that stands up for, that helps somebody else out. In our culture, we know that advocates speak out on behalf of others, making sure that their voices are heard and that their needs are met. The Holy Spirit is that for us. The Holy Spirit is our friend. He's the one that is walking alongside of us. He is the one that is encouraging us. And if you came into this building, if you came into our Grovetown campus, our South campus, our Dream Center, if you came in to this service and you feel like that you just can't go another day, you just can't go another week, that you are just out of energy where you're here at the right place. Because you see, I really believe that you don't have to leave here just like you came. Because Jesus has released his power, his energy, his spirit on you. It will be in you and he will work through you. He is our advocate. Here's the second thing. The Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to know so that you can grow. The Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to know so that you can grow into the person that you were created to be. In John chapter 14, we drop down just a few verses, verse 26. But the advocate, that is the helper, the one that's walking alongside of you, that is the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, notice this, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Now, we see that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. Now, he is not coming to teach algebra. He's not coming to teach history lessons. The Holy Spirit teaches us about life and about faith and about God's love. It's like having this personal spiritual tutor 24-7 that is constantly leading us to a closer relationship with God and constantly giving us clarity in our lives. You see, we need his perspective on things because There are times that life gets really confusing. There's times when life gets really chaotic, and I need this power greater than myself just to open up my eyes just so that I can see things not as uh, they are to the world, but I can see it through heavenly eyes. He uses that to to teach us, to clear up the confusion, to, to do that. Now, it also says that he will remind us have you ever been to, uh, let's say you go into uh, your bedroom and you walk in your bedroom and you say, I am here, but I can't remember why I came in here. Now, you're probably too young to do that, but occasionally that happens to me. I'll go somewhere and I'll say, I know I'm here to do something. Typically, it's something Patty says, can you go get this? And you know how you hear that and it goes in one ear and out the other. And then you, get, you know that you're in the room, but yet you don't remember what she said. Um. And I have to really think about that. 
And sometimes I go ask and say, what is it you want? But most of the times I don't. (laughs) But it's in that moment, we need a reminder. A reminder of why we're here. The Holy Spirit is that reminder. He will remind us of of the words that Jesus spoke. You know, the Bible says we hide God's word in our heart that we may not sin against God. So it's hidden, but then the Holy Spirit comes and causes that word to come up. He reminds us of that word. And so we not only remember them, but we are to live by them. Here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and helps you realize when you've missed the mark. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. And and we go over a couple of chapters to 16, verse 7. He said, but truly, I tell you, it is for your good, Jesus is saying this, it is your good that I go away, unless I go away, the advocate. Now, who is the advocate? That is the one that's walking alongside of you. That is one there to help you. He is the one who is there to encourage you. The advocate will not come to you if I don't go away. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. I love the New Living Translation of this verse. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. What does that tell me? That tells me that he is like our conscience. The Holy Spirit becomes our conscience. You know, when we do something wrong, it's like the Holy Spirit is there nudging us. You stepped out of bounds. You missed the mark. You need to correct this. You you went too far. You need to make this right. He's just constantly nudging us, helping us realize when we've failed, helping us realize when we've made a mistake, helping us realize when we need to say, I'm sorry. You know how it is. You said one paragraph too much. And it just went down a path you didn't need to go down. And right when you went down that path, you knew that you shouldn't have done it. Now, you have two options to dig in and say, I said what I said, deal with it. Or you can quickly live a longer life by saying, baby, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. 41 years gives you some experience like that. In the early days, I would want to fight maybe, but not day. I just surrender. (laughs) Kind of like that song, you are my surrender. I surrender to you most of the time. (laughs) Here's the fourth thing. The Holy Spirit will guide you into God's truth and will help you make right choices. Verse uh, 13, we drop down a few verses. And when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. He's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is your God. He will guide you into all truth. He is the only spirit God. In the New Age culture, you will hear people talk about spirit guides, and that spirit with a small s, typically referring to some type of demonic activity there. And so we want to focus on the one who's leading us to truth, leading us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, 
And it's interesting how we know that we are in spiritual battles, right? We know that we're in a spiritual battle. And, and the Bible talks about um, that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. It is interesting to me that now the culture is starting to recognize that. Not only do they see the spiritual battle that we're in, um, in, the, in the world that we're battling with, just the forces of evil, and, and you just kind of shake your head, I cannot believe we're dealing with this. And now they're talking about uh, UFOs and that kind of stuff in Congress. And so many people feel like that UFOs are just demonic spirits that they are seeing. And so we, we can go there and we understand that this is not something we should be surprised at. We need to understand that there are evil forces at, uh, loose in the world. And that reminds us why we need a power greater than ourselves. We need God to move in your life. Uh, in our lives. And, in, and so just think about that. Now, when I go to God, say, God, I ask you that you would guide me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Oftentimes during these prayers, I pray like this. I say, God, will you open the door that you want me to walk through? And then I say this, God, will you close the door that I'm stay away from? Would you close the door that's not for me? Because I need him to make it plain. I don't need it to be written in code language or, or anything. I just need it to be clear, and I need it to be plain. And I say, God, make it, open that door wide so that I can step into your promise. But God, if I'm to, this is not for me, close it, close it, close it. Oftentimes, God will close a door in your life. And sometimes when he closes that door in your life, you're frustrated, you're angry about that. And if you're like me, you're probably trying to push it open, trying to push it open. Could it be that the reason God has closed the door is that he has something better for you and you just can't see it? And you have been angry and you've been upset that this door is closed? Could it be that God has closed the door? Could it be that God chose not to answer the prayer that you have offered up because God has something so much better for you? If God wanted you to have that promotion, you would have gotten it. And that's hard to say. I have to trust that God is working on my behalf in this situation. You've got to shake it off and you've got to move forward. Closed doors are not accidents. And I realize to you this looks like, um, this looks like an opportunity of a lifetime that just passed you by. But let me say this, if God closed that door, he's got something better for you. If God closed that door, he's got something, you've got to trust him in the process. Because it could be that if God hadn't closed that door, you would be stuck in, in uh, the place that you uh, are right now for the rest of your life. 
It could be that if God hadn't closed that door, you would have never met the right person. You would have never had this uh, next experience that he has for you. God guides you into all truth by his Holy Spirit. He opens doors and he closes doors. And, and we respect him for that. And we ask him to lead us and to guide us and to direct our footsteps. Now, let's move on. This conversation between Jesus and the disciples started in the upper room of somebody's house. That was John chapter 14. We've been looking at how he guides us in John chapter 16. But right in the middle is John chapter 15. What is going on here? They just finished the Last Supper. They leave the house. They're on the way uh, walking toward the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. They get to the Mount of Olives, John chapter 15. Jesus uses the landscape to teach uh, spiritual principles. So he stops the disciples and he said, chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can be more fruitful. Jesus is saying, just as there are seasons of growth, there are also seasons of pruning. God wants you to be productive. And for you to be productive, God has to prune some of those things that are holding you back, that are weighing you down. So what's weighing you down? What is that thing that you need pruned in your life? What weight are you carrying? What kind of baggage are you carrying? What kind of habit, what kind of hang-up is keeping you from being the person you're created to be? It's time to prune it. Time to cut it off. It's time to get the junk out of your life. Get the junk out. You've heard me say that over the years because I really believe it because oftentimes I'll go through seasons where I get junked up. I get junked up and I come to the place where I have this prayer. I say, God, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? And then he says, well, I'd like to, but you're so full of yourself. There's no room. There's no room. And so that's when I talk about getting junked up. I've got to get that junk out so that there is room for God to move in my life. I grew up in a tradition that, that saw, in a very, it's out of a Methodist tradition, um, that had three different levels of, of, spiritual, uh, of a spiritual path. First of all, you would be saved. That was a definite thing. And then the second definite work of grace was you were to be sanctified. And the third one, you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I got saved, and a week later, you know, my grandmother says, Marty, you need to be sanctified. You need to be sanctified. So I go to the front of the church that next week. I want to be sanctified, and, and uh, I prayed, and I got sanctified. Now, here's the problem. Sanctification is not a one-time prayer. God sanctify me. Not at all. I've learned that sanctification it's one of those everyday kind of stuff. God, get the junk out of my life today. God, sanctify me today. God, set me apart today. It is that prayer, not that you come to the floor and say, I want to be sanctified, even though some traditions teach that, and I'm not against that, but, but it's more than that. 
It is, God, I want you to move in my life and get the junk out of my life and let me start today living and walking in your path. You know, there are times we just need a good pruning. There are parts of your life that are going well, but you need to have it pruned so that you can be even more uh, fruitful. Now, I am much, I'm not very much of a farmer. Now, over the last few years, I have, I have uh, grown tomatoes and cucumbers with very little success. Now, my dad um, had a green thumb. He could turn anything. He could make anything grow. And so I can hear his voice, especially now marking a year that he's passed. Uh, I hear his voice at different times. But I can remember him saying this, son, if you want your garden to grow, you got to plant the seeds on Good Friday. Really? Yes, you got to plant the seeds on Good Friday. Now, he was somewhat spiritually superstitious and had very bad theology. <laughs> Son, you need to plant. I said, Dad, why do we plant? I work on Good Friday. Why do you plant that? He said, because Jesus went to the grave on Good Friday. And then he rose from the grave. If you want those tomatoes to rise, you got to plant them on Good Friday. And so this year, you know, thinking about, you know, you know, it's around Good Friday. I said, okay, I'm going to go get some seeds. And I got my seeds and I planted the seeds. Now I watched them grow and they started growing a little bit. And then I needed to go uh, to the store to get some other things. And when I, and this, after they begin to grow, I, I go to the store and I see this guy over there and he just looks like, I bet that guy can grow tomatoes. He just had that tomato anointing on him, <laughs> the tomato anointing. And so I just went up to him and introduced him and said, okay, tell me about your garden. And just that, you know, just, and he was, man, it was like I hit the jackpot because he pulled out his phone. He didn't not only want me to, uh, to tell me about it, he wanted me to show me the pictures. This is how you do it. And I was just like, it was like a grandmother with her grandchildren. You ever met a new grandma? Man, she wants to show you every one of those pictures. Well, he was showing me every one of his tomato plants. He's giving me the story. But he said, here's the key. You've got to prune that uh, tomato plant. You've got to prune it. Right when it starts to grow, the first 12 inches, you've got to cut off all those little sprigs because they take the... And I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. I went home and did that. Yesterday, I measured my uh, tomato vine. It is seven foot tall. Seven foot tall. doesn't have a lot of tomatoes on it, but it... But I got part of it right. It's so tall that it's, I don't know. But um, I, I was going to take a picture of it and show it to you. But Patty looked at this, you don't need to show that. <laughs> it ain't that good. But it is tall. That and then Mater Maker. That's the magic sauce there. That's a, a conversation for a later date, though. What we're talking about is pruning. There are times in your life that you've got to prune off. Sometimes it's very good things to make yourself more uh, fruitful so that you can grow. And there may be times in your life when you have to say no to something very good in order for you to have something better. And sometimes God will go and speak into your life and God will cut back something. God will cause a major cutback in your life. 
and you question him and you don't like that, I don't understand this and you don't understand it and I don't understand it, but we have to trust that God is ordering our footsteps. That this setback that we're going through, this cutback, is just a sign that there's new growth that's coming. There's help on the way. And maybe our prayer needs God, I want, needs to be, God, I want you to finish what you started. God, I know that you're working in this situation, and I know I don't understand it, but God, I need you to finish. I need you to finish. I need you to open up my eyes so that I can see uh, uh, your hand at work and so that I can have the confidence that I'm in the right place. God wants you to be more fruitful. We drop down just a few more verses. Notice verse 7 of that same chapter. Jesus said this, if you, if you will remain in me and my words will remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So Jesus is explaining are uh, expanding this conversation about the Holy Spirit to include prayer. Because Jesus understands that in the days that are coming, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, that these disciples will have this opportunity to pray in the Spirit, to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll talk about that more next week. But praying in the Spirit refers to a type of prayer where the Holy Spirit guides you and empowers you and leads you down to a path that you are to pray in accordance to God's will. It could be this, that uh, in a minute we'll talk about this. This may be your prayer card and you're praying over these needs that you have written out and maybe it is day 11 and you're praying over the same needs and all of a sudden there's an image, there's a prompting in your life and you start praying for that. That is the Holy Spirit directing you. That's how it's, you began moving into praying in the Holy Spirit that you're responsive to his promptings. God, let your will be done, that we pray in his will. He says, if you will remain in me and my words remain in you, that's the premise, here's the promise. If you will do this, if you'll remain in me and my words remain in you, what's the promise? Ask, ask, ask what you, whatever you wish and it will be done. So let's do that. Very practically, what do you want God to do in your life? In Grovetown, look at me. What do you want God to do in your life? South Campus, what do you want God to do in your life? In the atrium, over 100 people in the atrium today, what do you want God to do in your life? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Ask. Ask. What do you want God to do in your family? What do you want God to do in this church? What do you want God to do in America? 21 days of prayer starts now. So what do you need to pray for during this time? Now, in the seat back in front of you, or if you're on the front row, uh, the seat under you, there will be two cards that look like this. Okay? This card 
is a card for you to fill out and turn in at the conclusion of the service. This card here, this yellow card, this is the card you take home. Don't put the yellow card on the stage. This is for you. Now, what are the differences between the two? Well, here it says, join me in praying for us. So what do you need God to do? Now, you don't have to put your name on this. Just tell them, I need help in this area. Just be specific. I need help and just name it. God, I need you to do this. If you, whatever you write down, here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow morning, the doors to the Augusta campus will be open at 6 a.m. And at 7 a.m. at all three campuses, we will have a prayer service. And at one part of that prayer service, people will come forward and they'll pick up these cards and they will pray over what you have written down. And they're asking God on your behalf to meet these needs. It could be a spiritual need. It could be an addiction. It could be a sickness. It could be a a spouse. It could be a loved one. It could be a job. It could be a finance. What do you need God to do in your life. I want you to write it down in faith, believing that God is going to hear and answer. Because if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay? Here's the second one, the yellow one. What is this about? This is for you personally. Over the next Three weeks, I want you praying over seven people. We call it the targets for God's blessing. That you want God to pour out his blessing on this person. That person may be far from uh, God, far from the church. You want to write their name down. That person may be new in faith and need to move into the fullness of God. You write their name down. But you say, God, I want you to bless. And you just put their names down. And that every day uh, this week... That you're carving out time to say, God, bless this person and this person and this person. And you do that, uh, you do that day after day for 21 days. Here's another practical thing. Uh, there's a, a, a bulletin, a, a card that says Uplift Prayer. This is created by one of our members. This is kind of like a prayer app uh, in the likes of Facebook. And so if you'd like to extend 21 days past that and have an ongoing community of people to pray with you, download this app. I think it'll be a blessing to you. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. Jesus said, if two of you on earth agree about asking, excuse me, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three people come together in my name, there I am with you. We're going to come together during this season, and God is going to answer prayers. Now, in John chapter 14, Jesus gathered his disciples together, and they shared the Last Supper. And that's what we're going to do today. When you came in today, you possibly received uh, a communion cup that looks like this. Maybe it's on the back of the seat rack in front of you. Or if you're on the front seat, it's under your seat. 
Here's what I need you to do. Turn the big side down, small side up, and take that foil off. Big side down, small side up. Take the foil off and take the bread. And just hold it in your hands just a moment. Now, when Jesus led his disciples in the Last Supper, he talked about the bread and he talked about the cup. And he said, in the future, when you meet together, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so today, as we take the bread and cup, I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to think about how he died on the cross. I want you to think when you take the cup, how his blood washes your sins away. Think about that. Paul said it this way too. Be reverent. Don't be casual when you approach this. This is something to be taken with great respect. And so you've got, for some of you, you just got to focus your mind. Just bring those thoughts and just be respectful. Okay? I want to pray over you and I'm going to lead you. Chapter 22 of Luke said, And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it, saying to them, This is my body. Do this. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up this bread together as a congregation. And, Father, we understand that this bread represents your body that was placed on a cross. We remember that and we thank you. We ask that you'd bless this bread as we take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take the bread. Thank you, Lord. I want you to take the cup, take the foil off. Father, we hold this cup up, and we understand that this cup represents the blood that was spilled from the cross. We thank you for that. And we ask that you would bless this cup as we take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Let's all stand together. Grove Town, South Campus, let's, Atrium, let's stand together. I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to be led in a song at the, to conclude this service. After uh, the song begins, if you'd like to come forward and put your card on the stage for people to join with you tomorrow to pray, uh, please do that at all of our campuses. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over our church. I pray over people today because I know that they came into this, our services Many of them carrying weights. Many of them carried baggage. Many of them gone through difficulties, sickness, disease, financial reversals, loss of jobs. God, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that your power would rest on us. Now, Father, I ask that you would move in our lives. And, God, we receive what you have for us. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your hands like this, everybody. And I know some, this makes some of you uncomfortable. Just put your hands like this. This is body language to say, I'm, I'm at a place that I'm going to receive. You may not even know what to say to God in prayer. Let your hands be the prayer.
okay? Father, we put our hands out like this as a symbol to you that we're ready to receive what you have for us. So, Father, let your peace and let your presence rest on us. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.